Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by my brother, Kelvin Cox. If you too want to sponsor the podcast, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There's free shows. There's plenty of content on there you can check out. Just go in there and check it out. It all starts at just a dollar. Peace. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the experience. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I am on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and this week on the podcast, I have a special guest, the lovely, the talented Miss Kira Davis. How are you doing today? Hi, Delvin. I'm good to be here. This is our first kind of meeting and some random person on Twitter set us up and now here we are. Yeah, like the rest is history. Yeah, it kind of felt weird, but I was like, I don't into it. I, it's like kind of like it's hooking me up with a date or something like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like, it does feel a little bit like a blind date. It like, really does. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm all about like saying yes. You know, like say yes to adventure, and at the very least, we'll just have a good party story. Yeah, well, this is gonna be a good date then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let my, I'm sure my husband will be very happy. Oh, he'll be know, right. Our date went well. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball. Akira, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Question number one What is the best album or song you listened to in the past year? And it doesn't have to be new. Okay. Best album or song I've listened to in the past year. Um, oof. Well, I would say, like, on my playlist right now is um, Electric Guest, which is a kind of a alternative, like, dance electronica group and they've got um a song called dollar in my pocket it's not the original song isn't that great but the remix is really smooth and what i love about it is it's just about like a guy who's trying to make it in the industry and he's like you know what everyone hates me i'm sucking at this job but today i got a dollar in my pocket so i'm gonna go buy a drink i'm gonna go have some fun and we'll let the chips fall where they may. And it's kind of, I feel like that's kind of my my theme for 2020. So <laughs> that's on my playlist. I like that's that. on my playlist right I now. Like that. Okay. Question number two. Freddie or Jason? Ooh, Freddie. That's a good Freddy. answer. Yeah, yeah. Freddie, because um, like Jason, Freddie has a measure of intelligence to him, you know, like he can make a plan. I don't know that Jason plans stuff. It's more like 
he's he's murderous for whoever's around him. But like Freddie actually thinks about what he's going to do and then think about it. Think about how creative he has to be to to put up set up all these nightmare scenarios. Like you have to be a real artist. That is true. And you only have to worry about Jason if you're a teenager getting ready to have sex. <laughs> some exactly. <laughs> Especially if you're a virgin. Yeah. If you're a virgin. Yeah, you're not you're not in some good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. What is the dumbest thing you think you've done as a kid? <laughs> Don't say anything that'll get you arrested. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, should I admit this? I don't know. When I was a kid, I had <laughs> I had a um, fascination with fire. Uh-oh. And I still do as an adult, but I've learned to, you know, control it because I don't like things that I own burning down. But as a kid, you don't think about that. So my stepfather was a chain smoker. He always had a huge pack of matches. Um, and I used to steal like a, a pack here and there. And I would light paper in my room over a bucket of water just to watch it burn. And I probably did that for weeks before my mother actually discovered the bucket and the ashes and was like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? <laughs> That's probably the stupidest thing I've done as a kid. And I probably would, I would say I was probably eight or nine at that time. Um, anyway, I'm happy to say that I never burned down anything of my mother's and, and we're all still here and healthy. Thank God you didn't do anything crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. If you had to be in any scary movie, which one would you pick? Now, let's not say it's, it's not in real life. You're not going to actually die. You're an actress in the movie. Let's just put it that way. Oh, okay. If I had to act in any scary movie, but not like if I could make a, if I had to make a scary movie in my real life, or if I was just going to be an actor in a scary movie. You know what? Let's, let's go to real life one. You have to survive in a scary okay. movie. Which one would you okay, pick? Okay. Okay. That's fair. That, that, that's fair. Ooh. I, I guess I would pick Scream because I've got all the plot elements laid out there. So I have the, 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 the blueprint for surviving laid out there in the script itself, in the story itself. And so at least I have that help. And then I need to be able to find clever workarounds because of course, as we know, with Scream, you, you know, you reveal the, the strategy, but then it turns it on its head, doesn't work anyway. So I'd at least like the opportunity to, to fight my way out using logic and reason. There's a lot of logic and reason in Scream. And I feel like I'd have a fighting chance. Okay, I like that answer. Question number five. It's going to be a fun one. Zombie apocalypse is happening, Walking Dead style. You're going to take five things in the world to survive. Your family and pets don't count. That means they automatically come with you. So they don't count your five. What are you taking with you to survive? Uh, this is so easy, Delvin, because I think about this every single day. <laughs> I, <would> take... <laughs> I swear, I think about this all the time. Okay, I would take my Bible because I really don't go anywhere without my Bible. Okay. Um, and to me, that's a lifesaver. I would take my, um, I would take my uh, forty-five. So okay. I take my gun. Um, do I ammo? I'm gonna assume like ammo comes with it, or maybe ammo I'll just find it. it on the road. 
Okay. And we'll allow we'll, Ammo we'll come with it. So that's two. Okay. I would take um, some kind of a plastic jug or something. So something that I can repurpose to use for water if I find it, to use to carry things if I need to, um, or where push comes to shove, you know, Molotov cocktail, something like that. Okay. okay. I would take, I would take uh, a knife or some type of sharp object. So if I could get a knife um, or a saw that I could carry easily, something I can cut things with, you might need to cut your way. You might need to cut a steak, you know, like <laughs> the steak, the zombies. Um, and then maybe the last one, I don't know. Maybe I would take the last thing I would take, I guess, is um, antibiotics or whatever I had in my cabinet medicine wise. So pills and stuff are light to take. But when I watch Walking Dead and I watch zombie movies, it's like people are always getting sick. And then you realize that all of the stores have been raided and, you know, everything's kind of going to going to crap because everyone's already looted the stores and stuff. So I would make sure that I had something I could co combat infections with or a fever with because in the zombie apocalypse, you have to be able to keep moving. You know, if you've got to stop to be sick, that could be the end for you. Good point. Very, yeah, I told you I thought about this. I see. Very smart choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself for those who don't know. We're going to have a lot of fun with this episode, by the way. Well, uh, my name is Kira Davis. I'm a political pundit and editor-at-large for a blog called redstate.com. Uh, my, my day job is politics. I comment on politics and um, you can see me all over. Sometimes you'll see me on Fox News or um, different shows around the internet. I've been doing that job for about 10 years. Basically, people pay me to say what I think. And it's a good job, but it's a, it, it, these days it's a very draining job. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's what I do. And then I'm a mom. That's really my main job. Awesome. Awesome. And the best thing about it is we're not talking about none of that politics stuff today. <laughs> that's why I came on this podcast. For what? That's why I came on this podcast. Because I was like, oh, yes, I would love to go. And I, I, and I never get invited to these kinds of shows, right? Because like, because of what I do in the political sphere and because of my, my politics, um, a lot of people don't want to have me on their show. They don't think I want to have fun. So I don't get these invitations very much. So when you suggested that, I was like, yeah, I don't know who you are, but I'm totally coming <laughs> on this podcast. You know, this, this podcast, I want to say it's kind of apolitical. We have political pundits from both sides on it, but also I've always kind of stressed, like I see in the intro, Unite the Culture to Diversity. We talk about all kinds of things. So you don't have to necessarily come on this podcast and talk about politics. Just come on in and have yes. fun. Just have a conversation. And that's what we came to do today that's because how... we got an interesting topic. I put out a message asking people what their favorite scary movie was. And my goodness, did I get a lot of responses. <laughs> I got over 300 replies. Wow. So I can't even, I can't even like go over all of them. But let, let, let me start with you first. What are some of you? Okay. Well, first of all, how did you get into scary movies? What was your first foray into Well, first scary movie I ever saw was The Exorcist. And I was 10 years old and I was visiting my father in Washington, D.C. I had just met him. I didn't know my father until I was 10 years old. So I just met him and I was spending the summer with him for the first time. 
And I didn't know at the time, but my dad was a bit of a playboy. He had a lot of girlfriends all over the place. So <laughs> we used to go visit different girlfriends' houses and stay overnight. So we were at this one girlfriend's house. She had a really nice house in Georgetown, beautiful house. And um, and I didn't mind, by the way, don't feel sorry for me. Like I loved the idea of just being left alone to watch TV and do stuff. So they would go off and do grown up stuff. And this one lady, I remember her name was Cynthia. She had a she had a TV in the guest room where I was sleeping and I had never been in, slept in a room that had a TV in it before. Like that was no in my house and it had cable, which was also something I had not had. And so I turned it on and I, I decided I was going to go to sleep watching the TV and um, the exorcist came on the TV and I didn't know what it was, but I started watching it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. I want to turn it off but I didn't have the remote by me. So I couldn't turn it off. And I was too scared to get out of bed to turn off the TV. So I ended up watching the whole thing, <laughs> terrified 10 year old girl. And by, at the end of it, I was terrified, but exhilarated. I loved it. And from that moment on, I couldn't get enough of horror. I was a fan. I was horrified. I was terrified. But from that moment on, horror was my thing. I've loved it ever since. That is a heck of a movie to try to go to sleep to, like, to say the least. And The Lex Exorcist got a lot of people saying that's their favorite movie, horror movie of all time. Like, you know, Real Max 611 said Exorcist with Linda Blair watched it with his cousins as adults years ago. He was like, can I sleep with you tonight? <laughs> you know that the Exorcist is still it still holds up as a horror movie. It's one of those movies that it's just terrifying and it's shocking because I know you're into religion and stuff like that. A lot of the elements of it actually happen. <laughs> they are like yeah. You can still go to Georgetown and see those steps that they filmed on, and but also like. Um, I mean, in the Catholic Church, of course, exorcism is is a thing. It's yes. a real thing. And and um, I have talked to priests who have done it. And I've talked to pastors, actually, who have done it, too. But it, it seems more interesting on the Catholic side because they've got their rituals and their crucifixes and their Latin. And, and But there is something so, like, I watched it again recently. And now as a mom who's a Christian, like, I'm a church-going, you know, I'm like a holy roller. I'm like that scene where she where the she's possessed and she's like, let Jesus help you. Let Jesus help you. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> but it still holds up. You're absolutely right. It still holds up. Like it's still a really good movie. And especially the effects. When you think about like when was that movie made? Like 79? Yeah, 79. Like that? That? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the the effects still really hold up for that era. Um, such creativity and Linda Blair. I don't think you'll ever find a better horror star. Like that was just perfection. So let me ask you this because my mom's the same way. My mom's a Christian church going lady, but she loves horror films. How do you balance your Christianity with your love for horror films? Because I think when people think of Christianity, they think all oh, these stuck up snooty people they don't like horror they don't like to have fun they just like to sit there and dump their bibles all day and stuff like that so how do you balance that <laughs> yeah i mean there's sure there's christians that are no fun and thump their bibles all day there's no doubt about that but um i think horror goes perfectly with the church it's actually the last place in this country that you can 
honestly talk about the about good versus evil. Like this is it's the last bastion in Hollywood. Well, besides black film, black film is still because because religion and faith is such a huge part of black culture. We seem to be able to get away with talking about it positively on film. Yes. So far. Um, but the other place is horror. It's the only place you can speak positively about Jesus, positively about God. It is literally, there's no kind of, there's no um, ambiguity about what evil is. I'll turn on a, I turn on my superhero movies and I see like black Spider-Man, black Superman, like our superheroes struggling with being good versus being evil. And they're very complicated, but in horror, there's no complication. You got the devil, you got the good guys, you got the, you got the killers, you got the victims. It is good versus evil in the purest of ways. And uh, my daughter is 12, soon to be 13, and she's a huge horror fan. We watch horror together all the time. And um, I can't tell you how many conversations it sparked about the Bible, about why did they say this? Why did they do this? Why do they think Jesus can help? You know, just stuff like that. So I don't think it's contradictory at all. I think, I think Christians are doing themselves and the culture a disservice if they pretend like this is just about evil. No, this is really the, the most, the purest form of the battle between good and evil that you can find in entertainment. I think you have a good point there because, and I've always said myself, some of the most interesting stories in history are in the Bible. And they are truly stories of good versus evil. And some of the stories have elements of horror in them. Like when you even like when you hear like Revelations is the perfect example of that. Yeah. It feels yeah. like a, a horror film in, in itself. But it's just fascinating how like the way you explained it was perfect. It's just fascinating how people just don't see it that way and don't see that horror kind of always has that one shining knight good character going against the ultimate evil, whether it's Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, or Jason Voorhees. So let me ask you this. Coming up, what were some of your favorite horror films to watch? When I was growing up? Yes. Oh, 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 listen, I, my favorite type growing up, my favorite type of horror movie was like what we would consider now that old school kind of cheesy slasher film. That was my, that was my jam. I had a video store around the corner from me and I was a babysitter and every Friday I'd take my babysit money and I'd go to the video store and I'd run like five horror movies and I would just binge all weekend. And my, so my favorite, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Nightmare on Elm Street. And I, and so I loved any movie in that kind of vein, like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Um, one of my favorite horror films is April Fool's Day. And uh, I used to watch that over and over. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I don't I know how old you are, Delvin, but that's the older one. But um, that one was one of my favorite. Like any anything where like teenagers get murdered at prom or at you know sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp, perfect example. Love that movie. Craziest movie ever. Could never make it today. But those yes. were my favorite. <laughs> yes. As I've aged, now that I'm a woman of age <laughs> and a mother, 
Um, my favorite films are have morphed a little bit. So I love the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff still. Like I'll go back, but um, I really love films that are a little bit headier now and have like, and that are just kind of pure thrills, pure fun, um, pure scares. So like one of my favorite modern movies is The Conjuring. I love that movie. And I love the Annabelle series and the Conjuring series. Um, even the, the dumb ones, like the pre the sequels don't necessarily get better, but I don't know. I find them so attractive. And I love, now I love my favorite type is like a scary doll movie. Me and my daughter will go see a scary doll movie in a heartbeat. And Annabelle is our absolute favorite. I'll, I'll give you a funny story. <laughs> my brother, he's a cop. His wife, for his birthday, his wife, he's terrified of horror movies. Absolutely terrified of them. And you ever seen the movie? I think it's called The Boy. Oh, yes. One yes. of our favorites. Yes. His wife bought him the doll from The Boy. And now she strategically places the doll in random places in the house so he finds it and gets terrified <laughs> and screams. I love that. I love that. I was going to buy my daughter the Annabelle doll for Christmas one year. And then my husband was like, that is wrong. Like, you will go, I will report you to CPS <laughs> for that. But I was like, no, I, will, I just want to put it in her closet. Like, she was like nine or ten. I, like, I just want to put it in her closet. And then when she opens her closet, it'll be Annabelle. <laughs> I love a good scary doll movie, even a cheesy doll movie like Chucky. You know, he never gets old to me. And um and the boy was a fantastic movie. I, we just watched the boy too, and it was meh, but the boy was a really great movie. I love that. So let me ask you this: What do you think of the sci-fi horror movies? A lot of people pick like Alien and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's a lot. It's a lot of sci-fi horror movies that people love. Like, do you do you get into the sci-fi horror genre that much? Yeah, absolutely. I love sci-fi. I'm a huge sci-fi fan as well. When I was growing up, before the invention of the internet, um, the only way to read sci-fi, new sci-fi, was to get um, Isaac the Isaac Asimov magazine. And I would order it, it would come once a month. I paid my little babysitting money, I think it was like $14 a month or something like that. And it would have all of the latest sci-fi stories in it. That's how I first heard of L. Ron Hubbard. I didn't know L. Ron Hubbard had a religion. I didn't know. All I knew is he wrote sci-fi stories that I used to read every week. And so, funny story, funny sidebar, I actually bought the Scientology book, Dianetics, when I was a kid, because I thought it was a sci-fi book, because <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard wrote it, and then quickly found out, like, oh, I have just wasted $25. Yeah, this guy garbage. made, made yeah. up his own religion. So. But he wrote great stories. Yeah? He wrote really great sci-fi stories. Oh, yeah, great sci-fi. So I've always been a sci-fi fan, Star Trek fan, all of that. Alien, to me... It's one of those movies that like it defies genre, right? It's yeah. drama, it's action, it's sci-fi, it's horror, it's women's empowerment. You we I, I can't think of one stronger female character or or more layered and powerful female character than than um Ripley. Ridley. I can't. Yeah, Ripley, Ridley Scott, Ripley, yeah. <laughs> and um Sigourney Weaver, I think, was just perfection in that role. I love sci-fi horror movies here's what i don't like i don't like open-ended ethereal sci-fi horror so i don't want to see a horror movie that that is like you find out at the end that it's just like all in his mind or something yeah you know what i mean like 
I, I want an ending. I don't want to be like, I don't want it to be some spiritual journey. Like, let me see people get killed. Let me see people murder a monster and figure out how to escape the depths of space. One of my favorite types of horror movies is actually the ones where the good guy doesn't win. I like the concept of, hey, sometimes evil wins. And you have to deal with that, whether it's figure out a way to ultimately defeat evil, or like I think Jeepers Creepers does a good job of it with the first one, where at the end of the movie, spoilers for Jeepers Creepers, spoilers, we're going to be talking about a lot of <laughs> endings of horror movies where the creature takes the kid away and ends up taking his eyes. That was frightening. That was terrifying. But it's kind of just like, a, a small mirror to how sometimes the guy just doesn't win. Yeah, I mean, there, uh, yeah, and a, a lot of horror is like that. I mean, a lot of horror is open ended. I just don't want it to be all up in your head. Like, I hate it when it's like, oh, well, we find out that this is just him living inside his head. Then there's no rules there. I don't like that. I want there to be some rules. I don't mind if the good guy is losing, but I want to know what the rules are. To play by so that I know how to root for this character um, and there's enough open-ended stuff in, in life but yes. yeah I mean that's part of what I like about horror too is it's just this ultimate battle to to be to come out on top and we don't always come out on top and we don't always defeat our demons you know what a real a great movie that kind of plays with that concept is the Babadook yes I like the Babadook yeah yeah, love the Babadook. What a great film, but it's really about depression, right? It's really about how it's really about conquering depression and how it kind of like it lives in your basement, it lives in your closet. Like it always needs to be fed and it steals everything from you. And in the end of the movie, like she didn't defeat the monster, but she learned how to live with the monster. And and I thought that was a fascinating concept. Yeah, I'm glad we just got on the subject because one of the things like Skinny Matt brought up. His favorite movie is Silence of the Lambs. He said, give me a good psychological horror, especially one where the events could actually happen. So what do you think about movies like Silence of the Lambs and movies that, just like Babadook, kind of psychological horror where it really messes with your mind? I, just, I think I always find those movies fascinating. What do you think about those type of movies? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I just explained the Babadook. That was a great film. But uh, Silence of the Lambs, again, that's like Alien in a way. Like it kind of defies genre. Uh, yes. I never think of that movie as a horror movie. I only ever think of it as like a thriller or an action movie, but I guess it was horrific. I, I love a good psychological thriller. I love a movie that takes me on a ride. I don't know where it's going. That's what I loved about Get Out. Like, I don't know where this movie's going at all, but I'm on board for it. And um, what's the, oh, Hereditary. I didn't really have high expectations for that. And it really like, it was one of those movies that, I was almost mad because I it sat with me for a while. Like I kept thinking <laughs> about it after it was over. And then um, I I don't know if this qualifies as a psychological thriller, but have you seen this film, The Invitation? No, I haven't. I heard good things about it. I heard it's really good. Oh my gosh, you have to watch it. It's amazing, and it's just like that. And it's it's a it's a gen uh, a genre bender, right? So it's it is thriller. It's a bit horror. It's a bit action. But it kind of goes from zero to 60 in the middle of the film before you're even ready for it. And then it's just like a roller coaster ride. 
so good. I can't recommend it enough. And the perfect example of how easy it's it's easy to make a good horror film if you keep it simple. You don't need a it's one set, it's one house, it's it's a simple concept. Um a dinner party. What happens if a dinner party goes awry? That's it. And then I love I think that's what I love about horror is that it's not, it, the stories don't need to be complicated. We don't need to overcomplicate stuff. It's like, here's something good. Here's something bad. Here's a place where they both happen. Enjoy. I agree. I think that sometimes the simpler the horror story is, the better it is. One of the movies I can think of off the top of my head is um, The Strangers. How Ooh. you have this family, this husband and wife, go to this secluded cabin, and it's being stalked the whole movie. It's something really terrifying and realistic about that movie. That is awesome. Yeah, those are the movies that freak me out the most, I think. Like, families in distress, because I'm a mom. I'm always like, oh, but like those make me the most tense. So movies like The Strangers, movies like um, The Purge, movies like that, um, they really, like, I find those the most stressful to watch. I, don't, I actually don't find them as fun just because they could happen. Yeah. And um, that freaks me out. <laughs> that freaks me out. I get that because strangers have me like, oh, should I turn off the lights in this house? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where's my guns at? Am I like, oh, well, here's the escape route, family. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you about this because this is another genre of horror movie that people talk about. I guess you want to call it gore porn? Which is just a very bloody, gory horror films. I guess Saw would kind of fall in this category. Yeah. What do you think of those type of movies? Not my jam. I don't really like torture porn. I'm not into it. When I was a kid, though, like a teenager, I would watch that all day long. But I think I just as I got older, a little more sensitive to that kind of stuff. I know why people like it. I have a good friend who's also a Christian and also a horror fan, and she really enjoys the. Uh, the the torture stuff but um and sometimes it can be done well like i think saw was done really really well particularly what it was yeah exactly and i love the concept and um i'm i'm a fan of of that genre just in the artistry of it and how it's done but as someone who pays to see a film i i don't and also i enjoy horror movies with my daughter and she's still a little young for the torture and I know there's a lot of people who might be watching this and going 12 is too young for horror but and there's a lot of like weird stuff janky stuff in horror especially sexual sexuality speaking but I, I want everyone to know that I actually do screen the movies before my daughter and I watch them so any movies with overt sexuality in them we don't watch but this is another thing that I love about horror you can watch an entire movie that has absolutely no romance and no sexuality in it at all Yes. Nothing but just pure scares and frights and horrors. Those are, they're so easy to find. Blumhouse does that the best. And uh, so there's plenty of options for us to watch together where I don't have to be explaining, you know, the birds and the bees to her. <laughs> I agree. I think it, based on the daughter age, I'll tell you, my first horror, I was nine years old when I saw my first horror film. Like my uncle had a collection of horror films in his house. Like everything you can think of from all the Friday the 13th films, all the Nightmare on the all on VHS tapes. And <laughs> so I just would sit in this house, 
sitting in the house and just watching back to back, like all the Friday the Thirteenth movies and stuff like that, because they were they were fascinating films, and I, I fell I kind of fell in love with certain characters like Freddy Krueger because he was funny, he was a reverend, yeah, <laughs> yes. like even when he was murdering people, he had a sort of charm to him, yeah, that made him do <laughs> yes, so. I get why you want to watch watch horror films with your daughter. I think that's a cool kind of thing to carry on. Like maybe I guess tradition, maybe yeah. a cool like legacy to carry on with your kids. Yeah. Well, my my good friend, <laughs> excuse me, um, my good friend Wendy is a horror film fanatic, and she told me that she started watching horror films with her mom, and that's how they they bonded. And her mom has since passed away, but it's something that she still thinks about and carries on. And yeah, so it was, that's how my daughter and I are. We it's like our thing to share. And um, I, I love that she loves it. I I thought like I had to breed a horror lover. Like I can't find people to watch horror movies. People don't like watching them <laughs> in my circle of friends and family. My husband cannot. My husband can't even watch The Office because he can't stand to watch someone be, be uncomfortable on TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he won't watch horror with me. I had a son and I was going to turn my son into my little protege and we were going to be best friends. And then he hates horror. He's scared of it. And um, shock of shocks, one day, nine years old, my daughter says, oh, I saw Jaws at my friend's house the other day. I like it. Can we watch another scary movie? And after that, I was like, yes, I finally did it. I bred a horror fan. So I created my own horror family. That's cool. None of my kids like horror films. They all like, but fortunately, my kids like superhero films. So I'm good there. I can sit there and watch Batman and stuff like that on the Star Wars with them and stuff. That's cool. Let me ask you this then, because this came up several times and I also got threatened about this. (laughs) <laughs> Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Living Dead movies. What do you think of those uh, movies? Um, well, they're groundbreaking. I think that. Um, yeah, let me say this before you go. Choose your words wisely because <laughs> one of the actresses from Return of the Living Dead actually messaged me like, hey, don't talk crap about my movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, but those are perfect examples of like the the scope of horror. Like like there's cheesy, corny, just low budget horror, and then there's really like um heady intellectual horror and it all has its place like to me those those films aren't my favorite i don't i know a lot of people like they're classics and they go back to them over and over again i don't i've seen them once and for me that's it i appreciate the place they have in the history of of horror um and i love zombie movies i mean i love i love zombie stories it just didn't hit it for me but I don't think that that lady should have been insulted like it's fine to think those movies are cheesy or dumb like all of that goes in horror too like all of that plays a part all of that makes the genre what it is it's nothing to be ashamed of yeah that's the fun of it like sometimes like sometimes a dumb fun horror movie is the best thing to watch the best part the best part 
Uh, my favorite part of Nightmare on Elm Street is the end when Freddie pulls Nancy's mom through the window of the front door and it's clearly like the mannequin going through <laughs> yes. the front door. It's the best, you know, and it's like, I, it, it's hilarious and it's so silly, but it is part of the movie. It's part of the experience. I would be angry if they went back in and like George Lucas style and CGI'd it out. I would be angry. I agree. I 100% agree with that. I the George Lucas thing is a whole other story. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Definitely. Let, let me ask you this, then, since we, I've been asking everybody on Twitter about their favorite horror movies. Give me your top five favorite horror movies. Ooh, okay. Well, Nightmare on Elm Street, definitely okay. um, up there. Um, and and definitely The Exorcist, because it was my first, and I, th- I think it still ranks as one of the all-time best horror movies across the spectrum. Um, and The Conjuring, honestly, one of my favorite. I love it. I think it's a masterpiece. Um, you know, I don't know how much validity there is to the Ed and Lorraine Warren story, but it doesn't matter because the movies are fantastic. And, uh, and then one of my all-time favorites is a more recent film. I think maybe one of the best movies I've, I've, I've ever seen is um, A Quiet Place. I was blown away great in the movie. movie theater. Yeah, great movie. I do, I do independent film on the side. I live in California. Everybody has a side gig here. And so I do independent film on the side. And when I finished that movie, I was like, I should quit. Like, there, I'll never make something like this. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I thought we, it we was get so good. You do independent film? Yeah. Have you I'm, a, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can go to YouTube and watch my first short film, uh, Minty, which is a reimagining of Harriet Tubman as an action hero. And it's a short film; it's eleven minutes. I got a grant to do it here in California, and yeah, I just I reimagined Harriet. I I always wanted to give Harriet Tubman like the black exploitation kind of Pam Greer treatment. So that's what we kind of went for. That is pre- that's pretty cool and and interesting because a couple of weeks ago I had David Crowder on the show who wrote Harriet Tugman, um, Demon Slayer. Okay, yes. I, are you serious? Yeah. Because I, that is a, that is a um, graphic series that I pulled from for my movie because my original concept was Harriet Tubman as a supernatural kind of being. And then because I got this grant, I had to scale back because it was like $20,000, which is, which was fine for a short 11 minute film, but I wasn't going to be able to do <laughs> all the stuff I wanted to do. So I scaled back, but that was one of the sources that I used when I was doing my research. It's crazy. That's it's awesome. It's a small world. It de- it's it definitely is. That's kind of, that's cool. That's awesome. I got to check this short out now. That's awesome. It's Minty. Her, her real it's- name was Araminta Ross and her friends and family called her Minty. So you can look up Minty, the short film. Or go to TubmanMovie.com and you can see it there. And um, we screened at the Toronto Black Film Festival. We screened in Wyoming and a couple other places um, last year. So we're proud of it. I, I, I'm still shopping it around as a, as a TV series. So now I got to have you back on to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll come on anytime. We had a, we had a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we did. It's my first film. So it's like there's whole, I can see like the rookie mistakes in it now, but um, I'm still really proud of it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Final question. I think this is going to be a fun one for you. Okay. Give me your top five horror icons. 
Ooh, top five horror icons. I mean, Freddy's on the list. Of course. Right? I don't know if you're a horror fan if you don't have Freddy on the list. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if that's not even the type of thing you want to watch. Like, he is an icon. He, we can all put knives on our hands and know what that reference is, you know? We can all see a guy in that rat, ratty red and green sweater and a cap and know what that reference is. Robert England, I think, is one of the greatest horror character actors of all time. He nails that character. So for sure, Freddy is on that list. you got to have the usual suspects like Jason and Michael Myers. I loved the last Halloween, um, the reboot with Jamie Lee Curtis. It was really, really good. good. Yeah, it was really good. I loved that moment where he kind of walks into the baby's room and you're like going, is he going to kill the baby? Because in the 80s, he would kill the baby. Yes. But now I loved how they did it. They didn't punk out on the moment, but they knew you couldn't really get away with killing that baby these days. So it was just such a, like a very, a moment of plot and, and suspense and, uh, I could talk about that movie all day. I, I loved it. So those are the top three because I just don't think you you could do this without them. So I, I, for me, Pinhead is another one. I remember Hellraiser series so well from my teenage years and just that the visuals of Pinhead are, I don't even know if I really remember that much from the Hellraiser series, except Pin, Pinhead, it just looms really large in my brain. I can, to this day, picture everything on his face, what he looked like. I think that's um, a horror icon. And then maybe another one of the most iconic, I guess, for me, and I know, like, a lot of people aren't going to agree with this, but Chucky. Like, I love a good scary doll, and Chucky's funny, and he's also, like, a total jerk and very evil. (laughs) I have I a few you. friends who love Chucky. My friend Donnie has a Chucky, <laughs> Chucky doll, so I think he'll appreciate that answer. I love Chucky, and and to me, the Chucky series encompasses my favorite things of about eighties horror, which is cheesiness, bad effects, stilted acting, um, smart ass characters who are always like whipping off one liners, and lots and lots and lots of gushing, ridiculous blood, like. It reminds me of all the best things about horror. This has been a blast. Yeah. It has been. Are we over already? I can't believe you have to have me back. You have to have me back. You're welcome back anytime. And we're definitely going to have you back because you like sci-fi. You like all the stuff I like. So you're definitely back. Let them know where to find your podcast. We even talk about your podcast. You have a podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I have a podcast. I forgot. (laughs) I I was having so much fun on this podcast. I have a couple of podcasts, but the main podcast that I do that gets, I I suppose, is the gets the most attention is um, Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis. And that is a podcast where I talk about the hot topics of the day. And I ask people to draw out their talking points to the all the way to the logical conclusion. Because I, I don't think we actually listen to what we're saying a lot of the time. So people spew talking points all the time. You do, I do, we all do it. But a lot of times we're not stopping to think about what it means, what we're saying. We're just, we think it means one thing or, or it signals one thing. And often when you stop and listen, you're not always saying what you think you're saying. So it's, it's an exercise in critical thinking. 
it's an exercise in persuasion and it's not a political it i do talk about political issues but it's not a political podcast so in my job i do politics but i specifically am very hard i work on making sure that this is a podcast you could share with anybody so i don't want it to be political but i do want it to be like I'm, i don't hide my politics but i do want everyone to feel like you could be a part of the discussion no matter what you think and we we're everyone's so offended by everything these days i feel like part of the issue is a lot of people don't know what they really believe when you know what you believe and you feel confident in it you don't have to get upset in an argument like you it's just a debate to you that you're you're not invested in changing the life of the other person in front of you you're just having an exchange but that takes a little bit of intellectual security that i don't know we we're all equipped with in this information age in which no one has any real information so <laughs> you can find that wherever you find podcasts i like that answer that's a good answer definitely Thank check, you. That, check that podcast out for those who are listening right now and it's one of it's only one of four podcasts um, in the top 250 on iTunes that are helmed by Black women. So that's a big deal these days too. I didn't know. That's I, I, awesome. It, yeah, I think there was like last week one of my episodes jumped up to like number three on the um, iTunes charts, and so I went to look at it, and my producer was like, "You know what? There's no Black women." In the in the top charts, he's like, "This is kind of crazy." So we started combing through, and sure enough, there's there's only four, and um, two of us are on the same network. My um, my colleague Ashley Nicole Smith has a podcast as well with FCB Radio Network. Yeah, that's us. So that's cool. I'm that's awesome. I'm always going to support Black women. I think that's awesome. That's amazing. Keep doing what you do, Delvin. You'll be happy to know that my next project actually is a horror film. Oh. Yes, we, it's called The Hay. It'll be an independent film. So we've um, we've just worked on the, we're in pre-production right now. So, and then of course COVID is like making everything 10 times harder. So I don't know when we'll get to production, but yeah, you'll be happy to know it is a horror short film. So we got to talk about that. You're just making more and more trips to this podcast. Talk about the horror film. Talk about pot. <laughs> talk about sci-fi movies. <laughs> we have a whole bunch I'll of talk about yeah. I can do it all. I love entertainment. I've ever since I was a kid. I love all entertainment really. I can talk about almost anything. Um, I'm trying to think of something I don't watch or don't like, like outside of sports or something. Like I'll even watch survival shows. Do you have a survival show podcast? I'll get on that. Like I'll oh. I love survival. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it all. But um when I was a kid, one of my first memories is watching Star Wars with my mom at the movie theater and um loved star wars ever since so i think a lot of us love sci-fi because it's an escape so i would love to come back and talk about all things sci-fi with you next time you have a chance to have me on i've had so much fun today like seriously this is the most fun i've had on a podcast you have no idea i'm usually talking about boring political stuff this is so nice well you'll definitely come back on to talk sci-fi we're def we're gonna make a deal with each other right now we're all you're only gonna come on to talk about fun stuff here you talk about politics Yay. and stuff all the time. Come on this podcast to have fun and relax. That sounds good to me. Love it. Awesome. So, as always, Delvin Cox Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you'd like more content, you can go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. 
There, you will find bonus podcasts and a lot more content. Also, shout out to Patreon producer, Ben Goodwin, a.k.a. UK Ghost Rider. If you want to check him out, go on Twitter at ghostwriter underscore UK. Thank you. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, see club for details. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.